You're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. I'm Megan DiMartino, and it's Friday, and I'm so pleased to have you with me today as we explore the story of another unique leader. Unique Leaders began during the March-April period of 2020 when we were all home, and I was doing uh, lives with my staff and doing my Motivation Monday and other things. And one day I asked a friend who was developing a directory for alternative medical practitioners to come on and share what she's doing and her journey because she had a very specific journey that brought her to this place. And when we did that and we went live, it was extraordinary how people responded to it. And I realized that people truly enjoy, which you uh, will glean the information from my guest. We're all unique leaders. We all have a story. I'm asked all the time, How did you know to develop a skincare line? How did you know that you wanted to develop a skincare line? How did you do that? How did you know to start a spa? And those answers are really in my story because it didn't just happen. It was an evolution of my life from when I was a child, truly. And so that your story is always evolving. So today I have Melissa Burrow on with me. And Melissa is not only a friend, but she's a true mentor to me. I look at Melissa that way. I have coaches, I have mentors, because we're all evolving and growing. And Melissa has a very, very special story, personally and career. So without further ado, I would like you to meet my dear friend, Melissa Burrow. Hi, Megan. How are you? I am blessed to have you here with me, Melissa, today. Really blessed. Can't wait to hear your story. Know a lot about you, but some things I don't. And so I truly look forward to exploring that with you. So you ready? I'm ready. And before we go any further, I am honored that you asked me to be on the show. As you know, I don't do a lot of podcasts, but for you, Megan, I was more than happy to come on and talk about my story. Well, thank you, Melissa, truly, because I know it will truly make a difference. And I know that that is your heart as well. So with, uh, you know, not going further, uh, meaning from today, let's go back to young Melissa. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Texas and also in Oklahoma. So I spent the majority of my young formative years in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, which is where I am now. Mm -hmm. And then um, in high school, I actually graduated in Oklahoma. So I had a very close relationship with my grandmother. And for those of you that have read my book, Shameless Plug, Chasing Bentleys, The Power (laughs) of Accountability, Achieving Your Goals, you'll know that I grew up in not an atypical environment. So I had parents that were a little more aloof, not as engaged, not as supportive as I am, of course, now with my own child, but I value all the lessons I learned and truly my childhood helped form the person that I am today. Amen. It is, it's truly that foundation of who we are. Uh, So your grandparents or your grandmother was in, uh, they were in Oklahoma. 
is yeah. what I'm saying. I say, I say. And so your grandmother, is she still with us? She is not. She passed, but she was such a mentor and such a huge part of my teenage years. And um, even as I got into college, she was that voice that really helped push me and drive me forward and um, really helped me stay focused on things like my faith, things like my core values. She was extremely strict. So I feel like she was one of the first people in my life that really uh, taught me accountability without using the word accountability. So she was a big fan of discipline, a big fan of structure, all the things that young adults really need to cultivate an atmosphere of success. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting, Melissa, because that is, I mean, in everyone's story, there, whatever that, like you said, your core values and your faith, there is someone, it might not be your parent or parents, but there's always someone that has really, um, put that seed in us and then developed that seed. Uh, so you came back to Dallas and you, um, uh, from, let's say from uh, school on, did you go to college? I did. So I went to school at UNC. Um, and then right after that, really almost immediately went into the car business. So as you know, I was in the automobile industry for you know over 20 years, held a lot of management roles, really prided myself on being a servant leader when I was in those roles and um, really like to share with people in the industry now just how they can serve others in a better way. So let's backtrack a tad. So you finished school and uh, what was your field of study? So I majored in psychology. That was the field that I majored in, which sounds funny because I ended up doing something not in the field of psychology, but I really feel like that we use psychology and cells every single day. Absolutely. I mean, if you speak to or speak, if you listen to anyone, you know, from a Tony Robbins on, uh, they are always speaking about the mind and how one thinks and uh, responds and reacts. So what drew you, though, initially into the car industry? So it was kind of an accident the way I got into it. Um, I can call it an accident. I can call it fate. I believe that, you know, everything happens for a reason. So even though it was accidental, I do know it was a very important um, part of my path and really helped me to grow. But how I got into the industry is I was working part time while I was still in college at a golf course. And I was that girl that drove the cart and, uh, you know, would provide cocktails. And <laughs> I was mm -hmm. Your car girl that would drive around. But the good thing about being in that environment is that I met a lot of business people. And so one Sunday I had um, a husband and wife that used to, to, they were both members of the club and they would play golf pretty frequently. And one of them, um, he owned a dealership and he said, Hey, I would love for you to come in and talk to me about selling cars. Really? Of course, my first response was, I know nothing about vehicles. I'm in college. I, I want to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I really am not interested in a sales position. And the next thing he said is, if you will come in and talk to me, I'll pay you double what you make here at the club. I'll write you a check up front. And if you don't make that amount of money in your first month, I'll get your job back at the club. No harm, no Wow. So I thought about it for a few weeks and I thought, you know what, it doesn't hurt anything to go and to talk to him. In the meantime, his wife had spoken to me several times at the club and was like, you know, Melissa, you ought to just go in and talk to my husband. I mean, he doesn't have any female salespeople uh, currently and we think he would do really well and he would just 
we'd love for you to get involved. So I did fast forward a little bit. I did go and talk to him. I decided to take on the challenge and it was my career for a very long time. I started out in sales and worked my way all the way up into a GM role and then eventually went to work for a company that specialized in F&I products and reinsurance. My cat is invading your show. <laughs> okay. Well, this is live, you know. <laughs> a lot happened on the live show. But let's go back for one minute before we go into your career portion of this. Uh, is that, you know, listening to you in reference to working at the golf course, you know, it's that power of association. And it's also that power of putting your best foot forward and being the individual that you are in every situation. And that's what drew that couple to you, specifically the gentleman. Um, and he was obviously very impressed with your professionalism. Right. And and therefore, we all need mentors. And we all need that those next step and that next step. Wow. So I just bring it back to that, Melissa, because, and this is part of your heart as well, is to help people get out of their own way and understand that everything they do will lead to that next step. Yeah, so. absolutely. Sometimes uh, on our journeys or on our paths, especially when we are seeking out our purpose, when we're trying to define what our walk is going to be in this life, um, many times people will get stuck. They'll get stuck on an idea of what they thought their life would look like instead of just being able to embrace the, the challenges that come along or the opportunities that present themselves along the way to discovering what their true passion and purpose is. Exactly. Well, that's that. See, I said I wanted to know those little nuggets and I knew that that type of thing was there. I just knew it. So you then uh, did you stay with uh, that uh, company for a while or how uh, how long did you uh, was it just through the college years or what uh, was the evolution of the industry? Yeah, so I actually stayed with that uh, specific dealership for, gosh, almost five years. Uh, and then that dealership sold, so I ended up going to work for another dealership. But I worked for several different um, automotive dealerships during my career. And each dealership gave me such a wide perspective of things like culture, of things mm -hmm. like servant leadership, um, accountability measures. I was exposed to a lot of different processes mm -hmm. that allowed me now to kind of be able to um, cater my, my things, my coaching programs and things like that to individual needs instead of group needs. So it's, it's very interesting, the things I experienced, the um, different cultures I was in, the different experiences I've had, how they've all kind of led up to me being able to serve their mm -hmm. way. Um, my passion, my purpose is around serving others. I, I pride myself on trying to be the best servant leader that I can be because at the end of the day, the impact that we leave here is all that's left once we're gone. So I feel like that we have a responsibility as kind humans and as humans that want to make an impact to leave the biggest footprint that we can. Mm -hmm. So hopefully people will be inspired to do the same. One of the things, and this is, you know, often I don't know my guests as um, well as I know you, Melissa, from this, from your work ethic. Um, one of the things that impresses me so about you is the fact that you don't just do a broad brushstroke. You, and, and many people are accomplished, don't misunderstand, in their fields, but you continue to learn and dig mm -hmm. and, um, and truly uh, want want 
to um, have the depth of information, like you've said many times now, you know, to help others, a servant leader. Uh, where do you think that comes from? Because many people don't do that depth of uh, training. Yeah. So I'd say that mine is more, I, I have a constant hunger, a constant thirst for knowledge. So I really enjoy education and not everyone is wired that way. No. Yeah. When you hear me say things like you need to train your brain, you need to do this, you need to do that. I'm a firm believer that our brains are just incredible. I mean, they work really similar to, a, you know, a computer system. And so the way that we program our brain to think, to respond I mean, everything from emotional intelligence to having, you know, logical reactions instead of emotional reactions yes. is so important in not only our level of success, but in how we connect to other people, how we serve other people, how we love other people. Our brains really are incredible. And for me, really putting an emphasis on continued education for myself is the best way I can give back to my clients. If I'm not constantly improving and looking for ways that I can help other people, then my content will become stagnant. I won't be able to evolve. And when you work with clients and they're constantly evolving and growing, you have to be able to evolve and grow with them or your clients won't be able to maximize the interactions with you. That is so, so important what you just shared there uh, because it is, you know, imperative uh, to serve, if I mean, many people speak about serving others, many, but if you, uh, like you said, if your material becomes stagnant, uh, then you are not growing and your clients will not grow. Right. That is, uh, as I said, I'm so very appreciative of that about you, but personally, but also um, want to share with our guests that because you are amazing. So, so now you, but let's go back to the car industry uh, because you are a beautiful woman. You're a female. And so this was when? What years were you working in the auto industry? Oh, goodness. Okay, so now you're going to age me. So I got into the automotive, automotive industry when I was 21 mm -hmm. and 44. I recently got out of the industry um, a little less than two years ago. So it's, I, we do the math in my head. So yeah. In many moons ago. <laughs> so basically, though, the latter 90s or mid 90s. Yes. Or, or through the 2000s. Yes. Late 90s. To, yes. Yes. This is about when I started. And the industry was really different then. There wasn't as many females in the automotive industry. And I'll say this. I mean, it, it was a, a huge advantage at the time. So a lot of people tend to focus on the obstacles that women have in a male-dominated field. I've chosen to really focus on the opportunities that mm -hmm. I have because I was in a male-dominated field. I'm the first one to raise my hand and say, you know what, I, when I threatened to, hi, Nathaniel, good to see you. When I threatened to, to leave the industry, um, when I was selling cars and I wanted to get into F&I, and I kind of, it, I, it's in my book, but I, I went to my manager at the time, um, part of the leadership staff, and I said, look, I really want to be promoted. I want to go to F&I school. I want to learn finance and insurance. Uh, and I want to be put in this department. And he said, well, you know, no, you're going to stay where you are. And I was ready to walk away. But because I feel like of my gender, I was able to get the opportunity, which I, I almost feel like it's just, it was a huge advantage at the time. Um, was there obstacles? Sure. Anytime you work in a male dominated field, you have to have really clear communication. You have to manage expectations. 
You have to uh, have the highest level of professionalism, but that goes for males too. Everyone should should conduct themselves with the highest level of professionalism if you want to garner the respect. Absolutely. And also you were uh, showing them professionalism. I'm saying them, being, meaning your male colleagues, yeah. because you were purporting yourself in a certain way, very professionally and very prepared, I'm sure. And so it was a... Uh, a, a a structure where the dealership could utilize you. So I can see why you were, um, you advanced throughout the industry in many different roles. Absolutely. So at what juncture, because this is when I met you, when you were making that transition, what was it that said to you, it's time to evolve again? What was it about that? Because that's very risky. I mean, most people, let's say it this way, most people don't make those changes because it is risky and you're comfortable in what you were doing. So what was it about uh, all of that that gave you the motivation to to switch gears tremendously? Right. So (laughs) it's not easy. And I think a lot of people, when they, what I call jump off the cliff, or they want to become an entrepreneur, or they want to just leave their comfort zone and try something different, you go through the space of fear. And you really just have to push through that fear and know that right on the other side of the fear is where you're going to have the most growth. So for me, I had to step way outside of my comfort zone. Um, I was a regional VP of sales for a very large company. I had, you know, um, a very, very good position. I had a great career. Um, I had a lot of support. And I just decided that my calling was bigger. And as I started to think about it, I started getting signs. And it was so clear to me that I wasn't walking in my purpose, that what I was doing, even though I was in a space of being able to serve, I wasn't able to touch as many people. Mm -hmm. Um, I was real limited to this one industry and the people I was in contact with every day, but I didn't have the bandwidth to do that and try to give back in a different way um, outside of that. So I made the decision after I launched my book and after, you know, um, I spent some time kind of, you know, juggling, you know, trying to walk in my passion and also trying to serve my career in the best way that I could. I I came to kind of a fork in the road where I knew that I I shouldn't divide my energy anymore. I needed to commit. And so I took the step of of deciding that I was going to be more intentional with my life and that I was going to commit and that I was going to trust God, go all the way in, and that I wasn't going to allow myself to be held back by fear of the unknown or by fear of failure. I knew 100% that there was a good chance. Most businesses fail in the first couple of years. There was a good chance that I might fail, but I reassured myself by telling myself that, you know, if you truly believe that this is what's in your heart and this is what God wants you to do, you're not at liberty to question that path. So I took the leap and... And I just did it. And anyone that's on the edge, I would say, take the leap, push through the fear, step out of your comfort zone. It's not easy. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's so easy that everything's, you know, sunshine and rainbows as an entrepreneur. But I will say that if it's in your heart and you feel like it's been put there by God, or you feel like that you've been led to a point where you're supposed to do more, you're supposed to give back more. um, What are you waiting on? Exactly. Yeah. I heard a quote today, Melissa, and I'm not going to be able to quote exact, but it was Les Brown. Mm -hmm. And he said, 
that hell is when you die, you pass on, and you realize that you didn't do what you were supposed to become. Yeah. Yeah. To me, the, the scariest form of regret would be living your entire life, always wondering what if. Yes, truly. truly. In all aspects of your career, your personal life, everything you're exposed to, to me, that would be the worst feeling. And I refuse, and I'll, I want to challenge anyone who watches this to raise their hand and refuse to not go after what you want in this life. We have one life, one yeah. opportunity. And why not just go for it? And, you know, you said something very, uh, very pivotal in that you knew that because you are a business person, you have, a, and again, a researcher, that businesses fail within, uh, there's a huge percentage that fail within that first five years. Yeah. But you also, again, because you uh, prepare uh, and had been successful in what you did, which took a lot of preparation, you knew uh, that a it was just going to nothing is easy, and so that it would just continue on preparing and getting better in your new career. But how much of what you did in the past, from not only your uh, college uh, studies but also your career in the auto industry, um, and you've mentioned this a teeny bit, but I'm speaking more from our guests. Um, how much of it? Um, enabled you to, or the preparation for the beginning of your new career? Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So to answer your question, Megan, everything I've gone through has prepared me for mm -hmm. the career that I'm in to truly be able to connect with other people. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to relate. Yes. And I would say the biggest advantage I've had is because I've been to ex exposed to a lot of different situations um, I'm able to relate to a lot of different people. So I've been in the corporate world. I've been in the retail car industry. I've been, you know, um, a student. I've been, you know, married. I've been divorced. I've, I've been a single mother. Um, I just, I have a lot of life experiences. And instead of, you know, looking at my life experiences as, oh, you know, wow, look at all these obstacles I've overcome. I choose to look at those obstacles as the most pivotal moments in my life where I've been able to garner the most amount of knowledge, where I've been so blessed to be able to take these experiences and relate and be able to understand and empathize to people that are going through similar situations or people that are going through different things in their life that they may be unsure of or they may be scared about. Um, I'm just, I'm so blessed and so honored to be able to do what I do and to be able to walk a path with other people. As you know, I run my dis my business a lot differently. Um, I have a layer of confidentiality, which in the business world isn't smart because I don't post who my clients are. I don't go online and talk about specific situations. If a client chooses to post a testimonial or chooses to say mm -hmm. that client, that's on them. But I do provide this huge layer of confidentiality because what I enjoy most about my business is not how it's scaled or how many clients I have. What I enjoy most is the absolute honor I have to walk someone's path with them. And I'm just so grateful. I mean, it's such an amazing thing to be able to experience. And, you know, 
as you, you know, did a thumbnail sketch of, you know, experiences personal that um, I'm asked often. And I know with your what you're, uh, you know, doing with your clients, people will say, you know, I'm, you know, 30 and I've been in a career job for 15 years. Can I change careers? I'm 50 and I'm too I'm too young to retire, but I'm bored to tears. Can I change my career? And what you're saying is you've taken all your life experiences and are able to utilize those in helping others. And that truly is the blessing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything that I use, which you know, I have a huge passion for accountability. I truly believe that if you can't hold yourself accountable to what you want or what you deserve, you're going to have a hard time getting there. So accountability, um, being intentional, uh, becoming an intentional person is very important in your day-to-day life. Servant leadership, uh, defining your core values, all those things will help drive you to not only success, but having success within your purpose, which is completely different than accolades or titles or anything else that you may be using to define your life. And to me, that's that's just the um, the core of what mm-hmm. we focus on. Now, did you find last year because you started your business? <laughs> I'm trying to go back in my mind. So I met you in the summer of 2019. And so when did you actually leave your career job and start your business? So I left my my uh, career um, over a little bit over a year ago, but I started my business about three years ago. I just only did it part time um, in the beginning because I wanted to respect the corporate position that I had. So basically, I was doing that just on the weekends, mm-hmm. in my free time, and then otherwise, I was just concentrating on the responsibilities that I had with my corporate job. But when I left my corporate job, just four months later, we went into the pandemic. So. I will tell you what, that was such an amazing experience to just kind of walk through that fear. I'm the type of person that I actually enjoy being pushed out of my comfort zone. And so it was kind of an additional layer of what's going to happen now that <laughs> the pandemic, but I will tell you, I was able to um, actually use that time to get better at things like I'd always use Zoom. So I was so thankful that I was very familiar with running my business online but I was able to kind of take advantage of a lot of these free courses. I took some Harvard classes. I was able to take some classes in neuroscience. I mean, all of these amazing opportunities. I really tried to focus on, okay, the, the pandemic is terrible and my heart breaks for everyone that is uh, has lost loved ones or, you know, that's experienced any kind of loss, whether it's financial or emotional um, it, just anything that they're going through, but I'm going to try to find that ray of light and I'm going to look for an opportunity to serve more. I'm going to look for an opportunity to provide value where I can, and I'm going to work on my education at the same time. So there was lots of different programs out there that we could take advantage of. And I did take advantage of them. I was able to take some courses that, you know, it, you know, I don't normally have the time to go out and take yeah, a sure. you know, edX course, but I was able to during the pandemic. And I'm really, really thankful for that. And are these courses still available? You know, I don't know, Megan. I would have to go in and look. Um, Mm -hmm. I took these at the beginning of last summer. Mm -hmm. They were offering them. They were completely free. Mm -hmm. It was a joy. I met so many amazing people that kind of like me took them at the same time. And that was just trying to concentrate on education during that time. And uh, and it was brilliant. I loved it. So I would recommend. uh, They could still be available. I would definitely go and look. Mm -hmm. 
Harvard had some, Princeton had some. There was a few different uh, Ivy League schools that were offering some really interesting courses um, that I was able to take. And I mean, if they're still available, go take them. Why not? Go take them, really. But then also, you were a, a, a uh, your daughter was uh, now going to be home having her courses. So you also were the teacher. I was a homeschool teacher running my business through Zoom, a single mom. And, you know, it was great. I really learned how to juggle a lot of different activities. So I'm not going to say it was easy. I have the utmost respect for all teachers. Teachers, you have my heart and my respect because it's very different to try and homeschool your children than just trying to have fun with your children to install things. I mean, we do some learning. Most of our learning is around personal development. I'm kind of the personal development coach for my daughter, of course, but I wasn't used to the basics. So having to go back and teach her things that was more boring to her and not in her wheelhouse was definitely something that I struggled with in the beginning. And I was the first one to raise my hand and say, you know, when schools opened back up, I was so thankful. because, it, Yeah, it gave me the opportunity to not only provide a social outlet, my daughter's an only child, mm-hmm. but it gave me the opportunity to assess my weaknesses and say, you know what, I'm not a great homeschool teacher for children. <laughs> I pride myself, I think I'm a good teacher, but as far as small children, I am not a skilled elementary room teacher. So, you know, I try to, I try to voice how um, I even imagine. Can't even imagine. <laughs> I don't. I don't. You know. I mean. I vaguely remember school, but uh, but uh, so much. Uh, but I do have two daughters, so so much of school is that interaction. You know that the school part of it, and that is absolutely not there when you're being homeschooled. So then it then it falls upon the parent, and that is not an easy thing to manage time. And here you're managing time. As I said, I just can't even uh, imagine. So yes, one skill I picked up by homeschooling was time blocking. So I am now a huge fan of time blocking. For anyone that's taken my courses, my group courses, they know because I always bring up time blocking. Mm-hmm. It literally saved my sanity to be able to time block the day. And I would do it the night before so that I could be there for her on her required Zooms throughout the day, still take care of my clients, still you know clean the house, still go to the grocery store, still do all the little things that I had to do throughout the day and be able to get everything done on my task list. So time blocking, if you don't know what it is, if you're watching the show and you're like, oh, time blocking, you know, yeah, I write everything on my calendar. Time blocking is a little bit more intense. Mm -hmm. But if you're having trouble staying focused on your task, you're not completing your task list, I strongly encourage you to time block. Time block doesn't have to be so stringent that you don't time block in self-care or free time. You can time block that in too, but it really will help people get all their tasks done. It helped me when I was trying to homeschool my daughter. That's for sure. (laughs) Yes. Now, is she back in school? She is. She's back in school full time. So, you know, I'm here in Texas and um, I'm so grateful. She has been back in school since August. Oh, August. Oh, I see my dear, sweet friend, Maureen. So Maureen, so much respect. Maureen is a homeschool mom and just a fantastic woman. So brilliant. Uh, Thank you for being on, Maureen. But, you know, I I did send her back to class and I was really grateful. As much as I love having her at home, you know, my daughter's my heart. She's such a joy. I just know that she needs that social interaction and that dedicated teacher that is trained to teach children of that age. Oh, for sure. No, it's it's a good thing. And and like 
again, back to time blocking, you can time block for your own uh, business uh, with that. But again, as you shared, it's been a, an interesting and a valuable experience too for yes. other things. Yes. Yeah. Do you share a little bit? You mentioned it earlier on about your book, because as I said, that's exactly when I met you and when your book was about to come out. Um, so share a little bit about that because accountability, because we're just speaking about time blocking. And um, again, people like you briefly said, you know, people say, well, oh, I have a to-do list, but that's different than time blocking. It's basically, well, A, share a little bit about, a little bit more in depth about time blocking, and then um, you're a little bit about your overview of account your book. Yeah. So uh, time blocking is very, very specific. Time blocking is where you go in and you actually set your task or what you're going to work on or content you're going to write. Whatever it is that you're doing throughout the day, you're setting specific time parameters. So from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., I'm going to do this. 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., I'm going to do this. If you start your day at 5 a.m. and you spend an hour in the Word or you spend an hour uh, in meditation and prayer, whatever you do when you first wake up in the morning, that should be time blocked as well. So it's a lot of people talk about morning routines. You know, I'm a big fan of morning routines and evening routines because I feel like if you don't set up your day properly the night before, it's going to be really hard for you to keep your morning routine. Time blocking fits right along with that. So whatever your routines are in the morning, you should time block each activity or task so that you have a specific roadmap or action plan to be able to get them done. Great. I know that will help uh, some people. And so then your book, you started obviously writing while you were still um, with your corporate job. Oh, before. It was, yeah, I actually wrote it. Um, I had it almost finished when I went to work for them and then finished, you know, the last maybe chapter while I was with them. And then I sat on it for a little while. So before, yeah, before I launched my book um, and I have my second one written, but it's not time yet either. I really trust timing and I really trust that when I'm supposed to launch it, I'll know. And so I sat on it for about a year before I, I launched it uh, and just took that time to kind of go back and, and, you know, change a few things in it and make sure it's exactly the message I wanted to put out. My second book was so much easier because I think your first book and for all the people that watch this that are working on their books, um, we tend to scrutinize our book so heavily. And sometimes um, being a perfectionist or trying to make the book perfect will keep you from publishing it. So I highly recommend that when you get it on paper, send it to an editor. My editor was fabulous, Elizabeth Lyons, if you know who that is. She's phenomenal to work with. Go ahead and get it to an editor and, and start working through the process because the longer you wait, the more things you're going to find that you want to change because you're constantly growing and evolving. Yeah. But yeah, my book, so my book is I kind of intertwined a lot of things I've learned, but it's also my story. So I wanted to put my story out. The entire reason I wrote the book was the hope that one person would read it and feel like they're not alone. Um, I think that we always hear the good. We always hear about people's wins. We always hear about everyone's level of success, but we really don't ever hear about the losses. So in my book, I do talk about the losses. I, I had to be really vulnerable. I had to decide that the only opinion I care about is God's and I'm not going to worry about what everyone else thinks about my book or thinks about who I am. I know my heart. I know my core values. I've had failures. I've made lots of mistakes, but I do know that my life drastically changed when I started holding myself accountable. 
Um, all the blaming goes away. All of the pointing fingers goes away. All the life isn't fair comments go away. Everything goes away. And all you're stripped down and left with is you looking in the mirror saying, okay, I am the sum of my choices, but I have an opportunity to make better choices to cultivate the life that I want. Amen. Amen. And so the uh, and I I agree 100 percent about timing. Um, You know, I do time block as well, you know, day. And but then the bigger projects of other people might say if they were in my brain, you know, what are you procrastinating? Mm, I'm not procrastinating as much as I'm listening. Yes. Listening for that still small voice to say it's time. And uh, because my book, you know, I was given the message to do it in 2011. um, And when my husband passed and I was taking, you know, journaling and taking notes and so forth. But it took 10 years, you know, and then I was working on a course and then I knew in my spirit, I needed to finish this. So I stopped the course, went back and finished it and then um, and published it then in December. You know, so I mean, I, li- I listen. And listening is something that's, a, I don't want, I don't necessarily call it a skill, but it's going within and building that muscle. Would you agree? I, you know? I, yeah, I absolutely agree. So to me, it is a skill. I mean, there's a big difference between active listening um, and for me, being able to listen on more of a spiritual wavelength and then um, listening in general. So mm-hmm. it, like for me, I really feel like this is funny. I just had this discussion with my boyfriend not too long ago, but I really feel like that I feel closest and um, are I'm able to receive more information or more messages when I'm walking. So I do five miles, five days a week. But when I'm walking, I'll have my AirPods in. I'll be listening to music. And sometimes it's, it's not audible, but I feel, I feel something on my heart to do or to say, or even if it's just some, something will come into my heart. And I I believe it's God saying, Melissa, you need to reach out to this person or Mm -hmm. call this person. You need to check on this person. And I truly feel like that everyone has to find that space where they can just be void of the distractions and focus and listen, actively listen for what the world has in store for you. You know, we choose not to have amazing lives. I firmly believe that God wants all of us to have incredible lives. We make it much harder by getting involved, by not trusting, by not listening, by not giving ourselves to, um, you know, uh, his glory. We just, we really make our lives a lot harder than what they have to be. But if you hold yourself accountable to stretching that muscle, learning to listen through prayer, through meditation, whatever works for you. And I firmly believe it's different for everyone to be able to be clear enough, calm enough and focused enough to hear. And, you know, as people say, boom or mic drop. Yeah, right there, <laughs> right there, because it is so, so important, especially yeah. today. The world's moving so quickly. And things are changing so quickly. And it's it's imperative to take that time to go within and build that muscle, that build that strength. It really, really is. So um, so so you mentioned that you're building a building. You've written a second book. I have. And, and so when do you feel that that will come out? 
So um, I, I'll probably launch it. I had plans. Oh, thank you, Marie. I'd probably, um, I'd planned to launch it at the beginning of the year, but it just wasn't right. It wasn't the right time. Uh, the book is written. I'm confident in the book. So I'll share with you the title. It's Finding Freedom, The Power of Intention. I firmly believe that we have to use um, our ability to have intention with our day-to-day actions to be able to not only drive the results we want, but to be able to make a bigger impact in the lives of others. If you're living a life without intention, then your activity a lot of the time is just busy. It's not productive. But when you're intentional about what you're doing every day, you can drive a lot more productivity. Yeah, it's aimless. And you're just uh, you're frittering away the time versus... Uh, productive, like you just said. No, it's it's a key. It's yeah. a key to. Well, I can't wait. So <laughs> thank you. I can't wait, but I'm sure you know. I can see the what's the word I want. Uh, I don't. I, not openness, but I can see people's mindsets changing. Do you see that? I mean, yeah. So, Megan, I've, and I know you've probably noticed too, but I've noticed a shift. That's how I know. I, I'm sure I'll launch it by the end of the year, but mm-hmm. at the end of the summer, I just, I'm starting to see this shift. And I feel like that so many people during this pandemic, um, unfortunately, a lot of people have experienced a lot of loss and there's been this season of grief. Um, if they lost their business, if they lost a loved one, if, if, you know, just their, their personal life has changed, whatever that season of grief is, I really feel like that if I launch this book at the appropriate time, I'll be able to reach the audience that needs it the most. I think so. I really do think so. And like you said, it's not just loss of very, very tangible things, but also change. Yeah. They don't like change and uh, they resist change. And uh, regardless of what's going on, the world has changed. Just how we dress, how we live our lives has changed. It has changed, Megan, but and I don't want to cut you off, but no, I, please. I do want to make sure that the people that watch this understand that even though there's been a massive amount of change, there is so much joy in that change. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, it's no, that's training. where I was going. Absolutely. Yeah. Training your brain to be able to focus on... <laughs> Sorry, that was my cat. Being able to focus on um, the positive changes instead of only seeing obstacles, being able to sort out the opportunities within the obstacles. And normally those opportunities are filled with ways you can serve and give back to your community. Yes. I mean, I'm a person who loves change. I relish change. I mean, to me, and I don't mean major changes. I'm just saying just even from a sales marketing position, evolving. So I relish change. Change is not difficult, but that's why I'm saying it's, I do believe it's helping people to realize they lived through this. Yeah. That this change and most people, I think that's why there is a shift because people are realizing that they've lived and that, wow, what am I going to do now? And so, oh, I think your book is going to be spot on right time when it comes out because people will need it to get ready or or, uh, not just ready, but the tools to go to that next place, whatever that might be. Yeah, I will say one of the most positive things I feel like that came out of what we've all been through together is we have all been forced to assess our own lives. We have been given the opportunity to perform an audit, not just internally on our own core values or our own belief systems, but we've had to audit how we live our lives. We are in a culture that tells us that busy is better. Busy is better. The busier you are, the better you are. You have to be so busy all the time. 
And, you know, I think the pandemic helped us all to see that the things that are most important, it's far better to be productive and to push your energy to things that mean more than just a paycheck or mean more than just an emptiness around what we feel like we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So uh, that um, kind of epiphany, that thing that kind of happened during the pandemic where we were forced to really turn inward and audit what our life looks like and take time, more time for our family, take more time for ourselves, really dive into self-care, really start looking at our priorities. You know, do we want to keep, you know, working, you know, 90 hours, 80 hours a week, or do we want to work 40 hours so we can have a better quality of life? Do we want to work really hard? Do we want to work really productively? Do we want to work really smart and have some time to really enjoy the life that God wants us to live? Amen. Amen. I mean, how many people, I I hate this for the uh, travel industry, but uh, how many people used to travel week in and week out yeah. and uh, and don't do any or very little and have had to reevaluate, yes, the priorities in their lives and how they are living their lives. And I've heard from so many people, I'm sure you have as well, that, um, wow, I didn't want this. I didn't plan this. I didn't expect it. But, wow, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a blessing to a lot of people. And, you know, for me, I traveled um, a lot before the before the pandemic, and I've continued to travel, you know, um, when I could uh, during the pandemic. And I will say for those of you that are still um, on the edge of traveling, you have to do what's best for you. If you feel better about getting the vaccine first or not getting the vaccine first, you have to do what's good for you. But mm-hmm. I will say that the times I've traveled during the pandemic, the planes are the cleanest they've ever been. The hotels are going above and beyond to make sure you're in a safe environment. I, I would never endorse travel if someone is immune compromised or if you're uncomfortable. But if you just are afraid of kind of getting out there, take whatever necessary steps you need to take to eliminate the fear so that you can continue to live your life. It's really tough on mental health to stay uh, in a space of, of being stagnant. And so whatever it looks like for you to be able to grow and stretch, I encourage you to do what you need to do to be able to do that. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I, I like you, I did not stop. I didn't take, I, I had a big birthday this past summer. I had a plan of going to Italy. Well, obviously I did not do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I did things that uh, made my heart sing. And uh, uh, so it wasn't about not, it was just doing different. Yeah. And so, and like you said, just being uh, careful, but you're right. The planes and hotels were uh, pristine, perfect yeah. versus yes, very much so. Yeah. Uh, but what I was also referring to, like in not just pleasure travel, but also people that, you know, salespeople that, you know, drag their bag, you know, their sample case and or, were uh, you know, speaking and um, consulting and so forth. They learned, like you said, to do it online yeah. and uh, had to make that change. So it's been a very, very fascinating, interesting time in our lives. Yeah, it's been such a great opportunity. I mean, it really has to kind of reassess, refocus, um, to reconnect, to maybe go on a journey of figuring out, you know, what your purpose is, uh, to look at your core value system, make sure every single decision you make is aligned with your core value system. I can't stress that enough. If you don't make decisions based on your core value system, you're making decisions that are not going to serve you. 
you're yes. making decisions that are not going to be aligned with what you're supposed to be doing. So I yeah. think it's a good opportunity for a lot of people. Once again, and it's incredibly, you know, condolences to everyone who has lost loved ones. It's, it's so sad, but um, I do want to encourage everyone to look for the good and to look for the hope and the joy and what we've all been through. Amen. Well, as we wind down um, this time together, and by the way, all of your information from your book to information of how to reach you for uh, coaching and, and working with you will be in the uh, information about uh, in this seg- uh, segment. But um, because you have shared so much, Melissa, and people are now able to see uh, people that I might not know you to see the value of the amazing depth of your uh, business, of what you work and share with people. My pleasure. But um, I always end with the same question, uh, this segment. And I'm sure you've read Three Feet from Gold, Sharon Lecter and Greg Reed, or familiar with the book regardless, correct? Yes. Familiar, okay. Love Sharon Lecter, yeah. Well, there's a, a, you know, it's a story and it's somewhat fitting for our period, but, and also the condition of man, you know, always looking over the horizon, but this was started out and it's a uh, a loosely based autobiography, but also the beginning point of the uh, gentleman in the gold rush years and went from the East coast to the you know, the West and bought a little piece of land and was chiseling away and trying to find his gold. And uh, <clears throat> the townies were watching him and he was getting frustrated and he got close to, well, he didn't know this, but uh, he gave up and someone in the town bought his property and in three feet found gold. And how many times do we get so close but give up? And Sharon in the book has what she calls her success formula, which is your passion times action a passion plus a talent uh, times uh, action and association plus faith equals success. Now, I'm not going to ask you all of that. <laughs> I'm not. But what would you say your passion is and what is your talent? So I would say my passion is serving others. Um, I just I get so much joy out of being able to serve. Uh, that would be my passion. And then my joy is probably to love. I I love to make an impact in the lives of others. And I mean, gosh, Megan, I mean, there's so many different layers of joy. My joy is, you know, my daughter, my joy is, you know, my clients, my, my joy is, you know, um, being able to, to go outside and breathe the air. I mean, I just sit in a really big space of gratitude all the time Mm -hmm. because I feel like that we as humans have such an opportunity and it's just up to us to grab it. So, I mean, I'll leave you with that. It's pretty simple, but mm-hmm. my joy is just having the opportunity to live every single day and make an impact. And you do that and you do it well. Well, thank you. <laughs> you do it well. Likewise, my friend. Likewise. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you, Melissa, again, for being with me today. And I know that this, you know, it lives on. That's one of the things about these live segments and podcasts that they do live on. So I know that you, like, again, that is what your heart is. That is what your purpose and passion is, is to uh, 
touch people and to help people. And I know that this information truly will do that. So again, thank you for being with me today. So if you just hang on in the um, green room for a minute, as I say goodbye to our guests, uh, I'll be back with you. Okay. Wow, what a wonderful segment. And thank you again, Melissa, for joining us. And folks, I want to ask you a favor. If you could share this out and share it with your um, social media uh, people that it would help uh, uh, not only uh, you, but also Melissa and I, because people need to hear her information. It is such an, uh, an important time and it is an important time to glean the information that Melissa, Melissa Burrow shares. So if you could share this out, but also uh, go to YouTube, which it has been uh, streamed on, and uh, also go there and subscribe because there are so many amazing people on the Megan DiMartino page, uh, Unique Leaders. I know if you have not been on before and go back, you will truly be blessed. And lastly, uh, this will be a podcast by Tuesday. And um, so you'll be able to go to iTunes and all the other um, iPad, iPod, uh, you know, platforms that they will be there. So a podcast, iPod podcast. I'm giving Apple a little plug there. But um, you go there and they will be there. Uh, this segment will be there on Tuesday. So again, I thank you so very much for being uh, with me. I have also started a new uh, live. I used to do Motivation Monday, but it is now called Megan DiMartino Live, Hope and Possibilities. So I'm tying that together with my blog, as well as um, an e-blast that we send out, a newsletter type thing. And so that is on Wednesdays now. And then leading into next Friday for Unique Leaders Live. So we look forward to having you again. And join me Wednesday on Megan DiMartino Live at noon. And then next Friday for Unique Leaders. And we'll see you this week. But again, thank you for joining me and be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you, my book, Hope and Possibilities, Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.